Nehemiah 8, I want you to consider and the reason why we stand to give honor to God's Word is because it is holy. And we are to revere God's Word because His Word is holy and He is holy. So for that reason, let's stand and give honor to God's holy Word as we turn to Nehemiah chapter 8. Starting at verse 13. This is God's holy and infallible word. Then on the second day, the heads of fathers' households of all the people, the priests and the Levites, were gathered to Ezra the scribe that they might gain insight into the words of the law. They found written in the law how the Lord had commanded through Moses that the sons of Israel should live in booths during the feast of the seventh month. So they proclaimed and circulated a proclamation in all their cities and in Jerusalem, saying, Go out to the hills and bring olive branches and wild olive branches, myrtle branches, palm branches, and branches of other leafy trees to make booths, as it is written. So the people went out and brought them and made booths for themselves, each on his roof and in the courts Uh, in their courts and in the courts of the house of God and in the square at the water gate and in the square at the gate of Ephraim. The entire assembly of those who had returned from the captivity made booths and lived in them. The sons of Israel indeed had indeed not done so from the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, to that day. And there was great rejoicing He read from the book of the law daily, from the first day to the last day, and they celebrated the feast seven days, and on the eighth day there was a solemn assembly according to the ordinance. Let's pray. (coughs) Our blessed Lord, we thank you for this your holy word. We thank you for the grace shown unto your people during the days of Nehemiah. And we pray that you would help us to embrace the holy faith that is given unto us, once delivered unto the saints. Lord, help us to embrace and to believe and to celebrate the wonderful grace that you have given unto us through Jesus our Lord. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. First, we'd like to ask, why in the world do people like to camp in tents? Now, tents that we have in our modern day are much different than what these booths were in the the times of uh, the Jews back in the days of Nehemiah and even the days when it was celebrated before uh, or last under Joshua. Some people like fresh air. Some people like the sounds of nature all around them, all the crickets and the frogs and all that stuff. It's kind of nice to hear that. Um, even if you have a nice tent that can keep the mosquitoes out, some people I know here in this church don't care much for it at all. As we'll see shortly, God had a theological reason. He had a historical reason as well why they were to carry out this feast and dwell in tents during what we call here the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles. This was a feast 
That was a holy celebration unto God Almighty. Now, at the beginning of this um, book, in chapter 1, we find out in Nehemiah 1 that the people were in great distress in Jerusalem. The walls were broken down in many sections. The gates were burned with fire. They were a reproach among the nations. They were made fun of. But worse than that, they were in danger of invasion. And maybe even some of them had people that were killed because of that lack of security, of having a city with broken down walls. It's bad. Bad to have a city without security. It's bad to have a business without security. And uh, because of this, when Nehemiah heard the news, he was grieved. And his grief was a godly sorrow that didn't just leave him wallowing in depression, but it, it, his godly sorrow turned him to seek the Lord in prayer and fasting. And he sought the Lord and asked for God's favor before he was going to approach the king, King Artaxerxes, the emperor of the Persian Empire. And the, the king gave favor unto Nehemiah. And that favor unto Nehemiah uh, was by him having 12 years of leave to depart and to, to, from his job of serving the king as a cupbearer to go back to the homeland and to, to be the wall builder but also the governor of uh, Jerusalem. And even you could say, probably, you could say he was like the governor of the whole region of Judah. Um, here, uh, even through opposition, great opposition through many people, even some assassinate, assassination attempts, he was able to guide the people to rebuild the wall. And it says at the end of chapter 6 that that entire wall was rebuilt and then we find out that the gates were hung again. New, brand new gates with fresh timber was hung. And the people had a reason to rejoice. And we see that at the end of chapter 6, where they're giving all sorts of uh, gifts. They're giving all sorts, actually, end of chapter 7. End of chapter 7, where they're giving all sorts of great wealth unto the Lord in thanksgiving. So... The rebuilding of the wall extends to chapter 6, but the thanksgiving begins at the end of chapter 7 all the way through chapter 10. It's full of praise to God. It's full of thanksgiving to God. And we will find out, as in the next few weeks, many examples of praise and devout worship, of covenant renewal, thanksgiving to the Lord for all that He has done for them. True worship was restored in Jerusalem under the teaching of Ezra the priest and through Nehemiah the governor and the ruler. And again, today's text is a continuation of how these people sought the Lord. As we look at today's text, the main focus is that we are to let the restored feast guide your worship and celebration. Let the restored feast guide your worship and celebration. And we're going to look at, we'll see this in three main points. The original feast, the restored feast, and then your worship and celebration. Let's look at this first main point, the original feast. Now, to do that, we have to go back to the ordinance given there in Leviticus. Keep, keep your place uh, in Nehemiah, but go back to Leviticus 23. Leviticus 23, starting in verse 33. 
This is after the, the giving of how they are to celebrate the Day of Atonement. In, ver- in verse 33, he tells them how they are to celebrate the Feast of Booze. Again, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the sons of Israel saying, On the 15th of this seventh month is the Feast of Booths for seven days to the <coughs> seven days to the Lord. On the first day is a holy convocation. You shall do no laborious work of any kind. For seven days you shall present an offering by fire to the Lord. On the eighth day you shall have a holy convocation and present an offering by fire to the Lord. It is an assembly. You shall do no laborious work. It says here that it's really an eight-day feast. (coughs) First day was a holy convocation, a holy gathering, an assembly, a holy worship together, like what we're doing here. And then they were going to have days of feasting and sacrifices throughout the middle. And then on the eighth day, they were to conclude this Feast of Booths with another day of holy convocation or a worship service. Verse 37 says that they were to present offerings by fire to the Lord, burnt offerings and grain offerings, sacrifices and drink offerings, each day's matter on its own day. Now, Numbers 29 gives a detail. We're not going to turn there, but Numbers 29 gives a detail that on day one, this was to be offered. On day two, this was to be offered. Day three, this was to be offered. Separate, different offerings for each of these eight days. It began with worship. It concluded with holy worship. Now let's continue reading Leviticus 23, verse 37. These are the appointed times of the Lord which you shall proclaim as holy convocations to present offerings by fire to the Lord, burnt offerings and grain offerings, sacrifices and drink offerings, each day's matter on its own day. Uh, Verse uh, 38. Besides those of the Sabbaths of the Lord, and besides your gifts and besides all your uh, votive and freewill offerings, which you give to the Lord. And it goes on in verse 39. Uh, On exactly the 15th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the crops of the land, you shall celebrate the feast of the Lord for seven days with a rest on the first day and a rest on the eighth day. Now on the first day you shall take for yourselves the foliage of beautiful trees, palm branches, and boughs of leafy trees with willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. You shall thus celebrate it as a feast to the Lord for seven days in the year. It shall be a perpetual statute throughout your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall live in booths for seven days. All the native born in Israel shall live in booths, so that your generations may know that I had the sons of Israel live in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So Moses declared to the sons of Israel the appointed times of the Lord. Notice there were purposes in why they were to celebrate this. 
You could say this was like a harvest feast. This is when the harvest came in. They were to give God the thanks and the praise for all that he gave unto them. Uh, Verse 39, it talks about the gathering of the crops of the land in this, that you should celebrate uh, the feast of the Lord for seven days. They were celebrating God's goodness. God blessed them. God brought rain. He brought, brought to the sunshine. He gave growth and fruit to the land so that the people could have sustenance. Um, another reason for why, uh, well, it, it goes on to say in verse 40 how they were supposed to celebrate. Verse 40 tells about how they were to, to basically have these booths made. Should make for yourselves the foliage of uh, beautiful trees, palm branches, and boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook. It doesn't say what to do with them, but again, it says later on in verse 24 what to do. And then, you shall live in booths for seven days. They were to make booths of these, uh, of these branches and boughs and leafy palms and things of that sort. Now, if you want a glimpse of what I believe these kind of things look like, Go to look at Google and look up some videos on bushcraft, bushcraft shelters. This is people building shelters out of just what they find in the woods. No, uh, no canvas, uh, no coverings, just whatever they can find. Bushcraft. And uh, now, modern Jews. I also watched a, a recent video of a, uh, some modern Jews. They buy kits now. It comes in uh, poles, metal poles, sometimes with straps and ropes, and then they have canvas over it, but they put like a thatch roof on top that's made out of like bamboo or some sort of material that's like natural wood or something like that sort, and then they'll put a bunch of branches and things. Now, the, the modern Jews also have come up with some things that are not in the text. They come up with a certain little arrangement of fruit and and branches and palms and they wave them around well it's not really in the text but i i that's their idea of how they are rejoicing now why would the jews living in perfectly good homes with nice comfortable beds and furniture want to dwell in booths for an entire eight well seven days plus a day of worship afterwards why they why would they want to do that Leave the comforts of a nice home and dwell in booths. It says here uh, the reason, verse 43 of Leviticus 23. So that your generation may know that I had the sons of Israel live in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So this feast was to remind them that they were a nomad people, they were a traveling people, that they were a wandering people in the wilderness for 40 years after God had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And God had protected them and finally kept his promise and brought them into the promised land that he made that promise to Abraham so long ago. They needed to be reminded that they had a small and insignificant beginning And I think it's a helpful thing for each of us to be reminded of our beginnings so that we don't become proud. These reminders of the feast was to keep them from forgetting God. 
forgetting of his works of mercy and of his, his deliverance. Keep your place. Uh, well, you don't have to we'll go back to Nehemiah, but let's look at Deuteronomy 6.10. Deuteronomy 6.10. This is a passage that warns against forgetting God, which was what Israel had done before. Verse 10 of Deuteronomy 6. Then it shall come about, when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you great and splendid cities which you did not build, and houses full of all good things which you did not fill, and hewn cisterns which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant, and you eat and are satisfied. Then watch yourself that you do not forget the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. You shall fear only the Lord your God, and you shall worship him and swear by his name. You shall not follow other gods, the gods of any of the peoples who surround you. For the Lord your God is in the midst of you, is a jealous God. Otherwise, the anger of the Lord your God will be kindled against you, and he will wipe you off the face of the earth. <coughs> a stern warning. But that's why they had this celebration. That's why they had this celebration, this Feast of Booths. It was to rem- that they would not forget God and his mighty works. Unless we forget God, which is possible for us as well, we need to remember and make remembrance of things as well. We'll look a little bit more of that shortly. That leads us to the, uh, that was the old original feast. Let's go back to Nehemiah chapter 8 and we'll look at the restored feast. Now, this feast was slightly different than the original. We'll look at the uh, look at first who is responsible for the restoration of this holy feast after the captivity, uh, verses thirteen through fourteen. Then, on the second day, the heads of the fathers' households of all the people, the priests and Levites, were gathered to Ezra the scribe, that they might gain insight into the words of the law. They found written in the law how the Lord had commanded through Moses that the sons of Israel should live in booths during the feast of the seventh month. It says here that this was the second day. Second day of what? Well, what was the first day? The first day was a great celebration because the wall was complete after the census, after the giving of all of these great gifts unto the Lord. They had a day of worship. And the first day... Remember, that's when Ezra read from the law of God from the, the breaking of dawn till midday. Can you imagine? The reading and exposition of God's word, going to a church service from the breaking of dawn to midday. You think if you went to a church service like that, you might, the next day you might say, well, I think I could take some rest. That was a long, that was a long, really long Bible study or sermon or study. But... What did they do? Day two, they didn't have enough of the Lord and his word. Day two, second day of the assembly, they, the, the leaders of the people gathered to Ezra the scribe that they might gain insight into the words of the law. Wow. Imagine. From dawn to midday. And the next day, what do they want? 
I'm going to come back with some more. When studying the word of the Lord, they became convicted that certain um, commanded religious feasts were neglected. Now, I wondered, why did they pick this feast above some of the others? Was it because they thought it was better than the others? Well, it just happened to fall approximately on the same, well, it fell on the same month that they were currently in. It fell on the same month when the wall was completed and they had the census and they had the worship service. And that's why they picked, hey, it's the seventh month. Let's, the, the Feast of Booths is supposed to happen. Let's do this feast. And that's why they did it on this particular um, day. Uh, they started this particular feast. Notice the instruction on the feasts and how it was carried out. Verses 15 and 16. So they proclaimed and circulated a proclamation in all their cities. It wasn't just Jerusalem. In all their cities and in Jerusalem, saying, Go out to the hills and bring olive branches and wild olive branches, myrtle branches, palm branches, and branches of other leafy trees to make booths, as it is written. So the people went out and brought them and made booths for themselves, each on his roof and in their courts and in the courts of the house of God, and in the square at the water gate, in the square at the gate of Ephraim. So they were, were scattered all over Jerusalem, scattered all over their cities, living in makeshift booths, bushcraft shelters of sorts. I guess you could do that in, in Israel. You probably have a hard time in Louisiana with our humidity and mosquitoes, depending on the time of year. But you didn't have, you didn't have the problems you have in Louisiana, in Israel. Verse 18 says that they celebrated the feast seven days. And on the eighth day, there was a solemn assembly according to the ordinances. What's the ordinances? That's what we read earlier um, from Leviticus 23. But it's also from Numbers 29. This was sacrificed on this day. This was sacrificed on that day. And then on that last day, they had specific sacrifices as well. First day sacrifices, last day sacrifices, and sacrifices every day in between. That's, we assume that they did that because it said they celebrated the, this assembly according to the ordinance written in Scripture. Now, I haven't been able to find this in the Old Testament of where they had an ordinance for this, but there's something a little new here. If you look at the way they celebrated it, Here's something new. Verse 18. And he read from the book of the law of God daily, from the first day to the last. There was a lot of reading of God's word during this feast. It's very Protestant and Reformed, I think, that they loved the word of God and they wanted to hear the word of God each day of this feast, even though necessarily it wasn't really part of the original uh, ordinance. Now, how could you go wrong with studying and reading in God's holy word? You can't go wrong. Let's look at how we are to apply today's text unto us. What does this have to do with our worship and our celebration before the Lord? The first question is, should we have a modern feast of booths in the church today? I did, they are Messianic Jews, you can find anybody who says this, but there are Messianic Jews. They're, they're Jews that converted to Christianity, and they say that we should still celebrate this feast. 
Well, they, they say that we should celebrate all the feasts. We should still celebrate the Passover. Well, the problem with saying that we as Christians today must still celebrate this Feast of Booths is that, well, how do you not also tell people that you have to celebrate the other feasts as well? So if you celebrate this feast, you, you really need to be celebrating all the feasts of the, of the Jews. And I think you should find that as a problem. All right, let's look at the first holy day that really it would be a problem for us to celebrate. Passover. The Passover was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the true Lamb of God who takes away sin. And just as they put that marking of blood on the top of the door and on the sides of the door that the angel of death passed by, if you have the mark of the blood of Christ... On that day of judgment, God will pass you by and will not cast you into the lake of fire. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Passover. And you could say that the, the Passover has been, has been taken over really by the Lord's Supper. When we celebrate the, the blood of Christ spilled for us and the body of Christ given unto us. It's taken over by the Lord's Supper. Well, look at the Day of Atonement or what they call Yom Kippur. That is another holy day of Israel. If you're going to celebrate the Feast of Booths, you must celebrate the Day of Atonement as well. But that day has been, has been fulfilled in Christ as well. Jesus Christ is the one atonement for sin. Therefore, we don't have to celebrate that Day of Atonement. In fact, if you wanted to get together with some Jews and celebrate the Day of Atonement and offer sacrifices, that would be uh, really heresy. Jesus, it says in Hebrews 10, 11 through 12, Jesus is, if you have faith in him, he is your high priest who has fulfilled this holy day as well. It says in Hebrews 10, 11 through 12, every priest stands ministering and offering time after time, year after year, you could say, the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But he, that's Jesus, offered one sacrifice for sins for all time sat down at the right hand of God. Because Jesus offered himself the ultimate, perfect, holy sacrifice once and for all, we have that day of atonement fulfilled in him. Now this feast here included lots of burnt offerings every day. For eight days, burnt offerings. Well, the problem is, is that there's no temple any longer. There's no tabernacle any longer. So if someone wants to continue to celebrate the day of this Feast of Booths without the sacrifices, you're not really celebrating it in the way that God intended because you have no way to offer the sacrifices. And God purposefully destroyed that temple in 70 AD because his ultimate sacrifice, Jesus Christ, came. So that's another reason why we shouldn't celebrate. But ultimately, we don't celebrate the Feast of Booths because the Feast of Booths itself is fulfilled in Christ. The Jewish people who dwelt in tents also had God pitch a tent among his people when they built the tabernacle. It was a tent that they'd take down and they would set back up again and they had a holy of holies inside that tent. They would offer sacrifices in the tent where the Ark of the Covenant was but it pointed to Jesus. 
John 1, 14. The word, the word, that is the word of God, the word of God became flesh, speaking of Jesus, and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, the glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. When it says that Jesus dwelt among us in this text, you could translate it more literally, he tabernacled among us. Jesus pitched his tent, he set up his booth here on earth among us. So when you think about this notion of the the people living in booths and having these booths set up, think of Jesus Christ who pitched his tabernacle here on the earth for a time and then rose from the dead and ascended into heaven as our great high priest. Well, you might ask, well, then what carryover do we have? Is there any carryover that we have from this feast, the Feast of Booths? Nehemiah 8 says that this came to pass, that the people restored this godly practice, this holy feast, because people love the Word of God. The saints loved the Word of God. They couldn't get enough of it. And they said, let's look at the Word and see how we must worship Him. And they brought that unto attention, and then they, they applied it. Let Scripture guide your worship. Let Scripture guide your life. Don't get tired of Holy Scripture. We must let it guide us in every way. But also, in verse 17, the saints of Nehemiah's day had great cause for a rejoicing. It was a day of great rejoicing. Brothers and sisters, if you're a Christian and you believe in what Jesus has done for you, that he's died for your sins, that he was exalted to the right hand of the Father, that he was raised from the dead and his assurance of your resurrection, that you one day will live in a new heavens and a new earth, you have reason to rejoice. You have reason to rejoice. We need to be a people of great joy because we have lots to rejoice for. Now, one of the most pivotal passages in the, Old, in the New Testament that tells, I believe, how we are to look at the Old is found in Matthew 13, 16 and following. It's in your outline. Blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and did not see it, to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Nehemiah longed to see the coming Messiah that was the fulfillment of the sacrificial system. It says of Abraham that Abraham longed to see Jesus' day and was glad. The saints of old, every drop of blood spilled pointed to Jesus, that ultimate sacrifice for sin. How wonderful is that? Brothers and sisters, God calls you to remember this feast because you have a feast in Christ. Do you believe that you have a feast in the Lord Jesus? He has given, God has given you the greatest of all in His Son. What more could God give you than give you His Holy Son? How blessed are us for what we've been given in Christ 
Remember that we should be a people of rejoicing. We should be a people of loving the word, seeking the word, letting the word guide us in everything that we do. We ask all these things that God would work in us and he would renew us and give us his love and joy and peace in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your holy word. We thank you for this feast day that pointed to a day when Jesus Christ himself would set up his booth, his tabernacle among us. Lord, bless your people. Lord, help us to embrace the wonders of your mercy and love to us through Jesus our Lord. Forgive us of our many sins, Lord. Help us, we pray, to love and honor and serve you, the King of glory. Lord, we pray for for any here who do not know this blessed Lord Jesus. Lord, work mightily in their hearts and minds. Convince them that he is the only way and truth and life, that he is the, the blessed Savior that many saints for ages long to see. We thank you that you have revealed them to us in your holy word. Bless your people. Help us to rejoice in you. For we ask all these things in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. For our hymn of dedication and rejoicing, let's stand and sing together 281. Rejoice, the Lord is King. Let's stand and sing 281.